Amen. Let's look in uh, Psalm 139. Psalm 139. We're going to begin reading in uh, verse 12. And I want to share a message entitled Precious Reality of Life out of uh, Psalm 39. While you're opening up there, just a reminder, remember this evening after the evening service is our annual church meeting. And if you're a member of the church, we need you here so that we can get things taken care of uh, for the new year. And uh, so that'll be right after evening service. It should not be too long. Uh, we only have a few things we need to discuss and vote on, and uh, we want you here, need you here. Amen. So make a note of that. Precious reality of life, Psalm 139 and verse 12. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee. But the night shineth as the day, the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, uh, which in uh, continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I wake, I am still with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. I thank you, Lord, for the precious life that you have given each of us. And, Lord, that life you continue to create and bless, Lord. And I pray that we would consider... Uh, this topic this morning about how precious life is and that uh, every child that is conceived in the womb is there by the will and power of uh, God Almighty and it's a precious life in which Jesus died for and we're thankful Lord that we can have more than just physical life in this world but we can have spiritual life through faith in Jesus Christ and Lord what a what a blessing it is just to understand uh, the significance of life that you have provided for us. And so I pray you'd bless the preaching of the word of God this morning. Uh, help us to understand this topic, Lord, and certainly help us to look through the eyes of the scriptures, Lord, uh, with an understanding heart on what we should say, what we should believe, how we should respond, or how we should act, Lord. Uh, God, we just need your grace. We need your mercy. And we are praying that you'll extend that to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, verse 17 is our text verse. How precious also are thy thoughts towards unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Precious reality of life. Uh, you know, in our Declaration of Independence, there's a statement that about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, it's supposed to apply to all Americans, but I guess it doesn't apply to Americans that are conceived in the womb. Uh, life is robbed from them. Uh, freedom and liberty is removed from them. The opportunity to be able to experience happiness is never experienced 
because their life is taken away from them before they could even begin uh, the pursuit of life, liberty, and uh, happiness. And so uh, it is true uh, that uh, this statement is true if you're not a baby in the womb of your mother. And uh, this is a hot topic all the time, and uh, certainly with um, liberals taking control of everything in our government, I'm, I'm expecting to see even more so push for aborting of babies. Uh, and the, listen, as believers, we need to stand up for truth. We need to stand for life. And every child is precious in the eyes of God is what we're going to see here in a few moments. On January 22nd in 1973 was a landmark decision by the U.S. Supreme Court in which the court ruled that the Constitution of the United States protects a pregnant woman's liberty to choose to have an abortion without excessive government restrictions. And uh, we have gotten to a point where the restrictions are so removed that literally uh, they want to literally have babies born and then execute them. Uh, it's, it's a horrible thing how far this has gone since 1973 and supposedly of a woman's right to end her pregnancy. I don't want to be unkind, but a woman has a right not to get pregnant to begin with. And But once that baby is conceived, that is a life that cannot be ended uh, because I believe we lose the blessings and the power of God on us individually, certainly as a church and certainly as a nation, we lose the blessings of God when we take and kill the babies that God has created. And since 1973, there has been 61,628,584 babies killed by abortion. And uh, I, when I read that number, I was astounded by that. And I was thinking of this, you know, with COVID-19, everybody's concerned about COVID-19, and we certainly are concerned about that and certainly the outcome of what people experience and certainly the deaths. But the reality is the survival rate of if you get COVID-19 is about 99.9%. So that means less than 1% of people who are infected die from COVID-19. That's not less than 1% of the whole population of America. That is less than 1% of those who get infected. However, when you consider the United States population in 2020 is roughly 331 million people. And if you take a look at the 61 million abortions that have been done since 1973, that would equal 18% of the population in America right now have been executed. And yet we're, we want to profess about life and we're all concerned about people dying and all this, that, and the other. We've been locked down. We've been governed. We've been run around. We've done, you name it, they have done it to us in the last eight, nine months. All in the guise of saving life. Well, what about saving the life of the baby in the womb? It's amazing to me that when you think about life, we can identify an animal. I got a couple of pictures I'm going to put up there for you. If a dog gets pregnant, 
we can identify that the, what's in the womb of the dog is a dog. And if you allow that dog to grow and mature in the womb of its mother until it is born, we know what it's going to come out. It's going to be a dog. That's the next picture. You have a dog, amen. A little dog snuggling up there with that dog, amen. We have no problem whatsoever thinking in the terms that this dog is pregnant and what's inside of this dog is another dog. And when that dog is born, it's going to be a dog when it's an adult. And that relation. But if you kill that dog, you abort that dog, that puppy in that womb, you will be brought up on charges for neglect, for abuse, animal abuse, and all these things and everything else, uh, all because that you ended the pregnancy of a dog. Now, we can identify a dog that's been pregnant. We can identify a dog that's been in, uh, in the womb, and we identify it as being a dog after it was born. We have no problem with that. We can identify an eagle. The amazing thing is, I put this little thing up there, and you see the chick hatching, hatching out of there, eagle chick hanging, hatching out. You realize this morning that if you uh, disrupt an eagle's nest and you kill an eagle's egg, uh, you will go to jail. You will go to jail. And you say, well, well, wait a minute. I didn't know it was an eagle's nest. I didn't know it was an eagle in that uh, shell and in that egg. Uh, no, we know that whatever is in that is an eagle. And when it is born, when it breaks out, it hatches out of that. You have a mother eagle with a baby eagle. And woe be the person who destroys either one of them. And we say, well, well we, why, what, we don't understand how we can uh, get in trouble for doing that. Well, the problem is ignorance uh, does not release you from the obligations of the law. And the law says you cannot kill an eagle, bald eagle, and you cannot kill a, the uh, offspring of that bald eagle, and you can humanly identify, just as you do with the dog that is conceived, that that egg that is going to chip open and is going to give birth is also an eagle. Now, we can identify that very easily by just looking at it. However, when it comes to a human baby, and we see that baby in the womb. We look at him and we say, well, that's not a life. We look at him and say, well, that's not a baby. That's a, fe a fetus. We look at it and we try to, try to give all kinds of different terms to what is in the womb of the mother. Because we cannot identify what a human life is. However, if you let that life continue to mature in the womb... It becomes a full-fledged human being as the mother nurtures that child and enables that child to grow up and become an adult. Now, we're in a sad situation in America where we can identify the birth of a dog and an eagle, but we can't identify the reality of the precious life of the birth of a human being in America. So precious reality of life. 
When God is removed from a society and God is removed out of our life, then we try to justify all kinds of actions and conducts that is contrary to who God is and what life is about. And uh, it, listen, it is not about whether the fact that times have changed, society has changed, and all this, that, and the other. Uh, no, we need to be reminded what human life is and what human conduct is. Uh, I was I was uh, listening to on the radio the other day. I'm alarmed by it. I heard some new curriculum that's coming out, and uh, well, I'm praying for you, public school teachers. I'm telling you, the new curriculum that is coming out in reference and pro promoting transgenderism and all this, that, and the other that's going to be in the schools. Uh, and I, it, I was shocked when I heard what was going on. And uh, we we need to stop teaching that stuff. And we need to start teaching what human life is. And they need to understand that God created them male and female. And there are people who are born that are female and people who are born that are males and are not confused. The reality is they're not confused or I shouldn't say God's not confused about how he created them. But we, we, we get farther and farther away from God. When they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful. Amen. And as a result of it, it says in Romans 1, God gave them up to a reprobate mind. A reprobate mind, void of judgment, void of understanding, unable to be able to make sound judgments. And that's where the world is that we're living in. And we need to get back to identifying how precious the reality of life is. Every life is precious in the eyes of God and ought to be precious in our eyes. Well, let's look at our passage that we looked at. First of all, notice that there is a design and plan. A design and plan. Verse 12 tells us, Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day, and the darkness, the light, uh, and dark, the darkness and the light are both alike to thee, for thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Uh, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. So I see, first of all, possession in verse 12 and 13, possession. Uh, everything that the individual is, every aspect of their life in the womb is possessed by God because God is a designer who has a plan for that life. And, uh, and so it says in verse 12 that the darkness hideth not from thee. In other words, there's no veil. There's no covering for God. There's no covering in aspect of God's awareness of this life that has been conceived in the womb. No one else may be able to see it. No one else may not understand what it is. No one else may be aware of the fact that there has been conception in the womb, but God is aware of it. There is no veil because he possesses all life. He is the creator. And as the creator, he is the one who determines who you are. He determines whether you're male or whether you're female. He determines whether you're going to be tall or whether you're going to be short. And uh, when God looks at this life that is conceived in the womb, uh, he is responding to the fact that he has de so declared and designed 
everything that you're to be. So the night shineth as the day, the darkness, the light are both alike to thee. In other words, God's not confused by the thing that he has created. Psalm, I'm sorry, Isaiah 40 and 28 says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. Uh, the challenge is this. We have to be aware of the fact that, wait a minute, God as creator knows exactly what he is doing with that life that is in that womb. And so design and plan, he has possession of that creation. So there's no veil, but there's no hidden thoughts. Notice in verse 13, it says, For thou hast possessed my reins, and thou hast covered me in my mother's wombs. And so uh, there's no hidden thoughts. And as no th hidden thoughts, that means that Christ, the creator, is also the master. There's no hidden thoughts. In other words, he is the one who has the right to do as he pleases with the life that he has created. Because the reality is man does not create life. It is God who creates life. And uh, he is the master. Psalm 127 and 3, we often quote that. It says, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. And so coming back to this reality that, wait a minute, because God is the possessor of life and death, as the possessor of life and death, he is the creator based on the design that he has. And because he is the master, he can determine what the outcome's going to be. He has every right to declare and to design a plan and a purpose for that life that is conceived in the womb. A uh, man does not have the right to take that into his own possession because we are possessed of the Lord. And he holds that life in his hands. And when men uh, decide, men and women decide that they're going to end that life, you are snatching that design and that plan out of the hands of God and say, basically saying, you are not going to rule over me. You're not going to bring forth that life. I am, you're literally are attacking the character of God when you end that life. Amen. And so the master, possession. I see in verse 14, the proper. In verse 14, it says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. Uh, divine inspection, I am fearfully. The word fearfully means that there is a sense of making sure everything is functioning the way God planned and designed it to function. I am fearfully uh, the divine inspection. God knows what's going on uh, in that life that he has created. And uh, because of his divine inspection, uh, he has a divine operation, which fearfully and wonderfully Fearfully is the aspect of God is aware of this life that is in the womb. Wonderfully is that God is directly involved in the process of that child, that life, growing and maturing and developing to the point where it will be birthed and uh, live its life for the glory of God on this earth. So design and a plan. 
And I think many times what we, we have become so uh, self-absorbed as a society that we have forgotten there is a God in heaven whom we are accountable to. There is a God in heaven that has designed you specifically to accomplish his will in your life. And he has a plan in how to prepare you for the life that he has created in you. And if we allow God to work in our life and as he designed us to be, uh, then certainly within the church, the different gifts and talents that we have in the church, the church functions and is successful and it's impacting on other people's lives. Why? Because the gifts are given to every individual in the church, uh, Paul says, to profit with all. In other words, who you are, what talents you have, what gifts and abilities God has designed and planned for you to fulfill is to be exercised to function within the body of Christ so that the church will be a great uh, witness and testimony of the grace of God. But when man is constantly destroying the life that God has created, he literally is uh, thwarping, if you will, the design and the plan of God, not only for the church, but for the individual. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5 says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And often, every time I read that verse, I think of the, of the omniscience of God. He knows everything before it ever comes to take place. He says, before, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And so God had a plan. He had a design for Jeremiah before Jeremiah was conceived in the womb. Now realize this this morning. Before you were conceived in the womb of your mother, God already had a design and a plan for your life. And oftentimes people, you know, back in the 60s, everybody was running around trying to find themselves, you know. I don't know if they ever found themselves or not. I'm, I'm glad. I don't know. I didn't find myself, but I'm glad the Lord found me. Amen. <laughs> so. But the reality is when you ignore the design and the plan of God for your life and the reality of the preciousness of life, you're lost. You're floating in a world with no design, no purpose, and you wonder trying to figure out who you are and what you are, and somebody comes along and says, well, you're a boy, but you really should be a girl. Oh, maybe that's what's wrong with me. I don't know. Or you're always consumed with trying to get money, or you get caught up on drugs and alcohol. It's all for the purpose of trying to figure out who you are and what life is about. When before you were ever conceived in the womb, God had a design for your life. And God had a plan for your life. So I see that it's also not just possession and proper, but I see in verse 14, powerful. Notice in verse 14, it says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And then he says this, marvelous. In other words, outrageous marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. The powerful move of God to work in your life 
to do things that are beyond your control or beyond your understanding. I see the divine magnification. Marvelous means to magnify. I mean, it's, it's this, the look at something, evaluate something, and see that whatever it is just expanding or exploding in front of you. And this psalmist, as he's writing, he's looking at this and he's saying, when I, when I look at my life, when I see the plan of God, I see the design of God, when I see the possession of God, I see the inspection and, and, and literally the, the uh, fulfilling of God's design in my life. It's marvelous. And listen, when you despise your life that God has created and designed for you, you lose the splendor of what your life is. And you become sad, you get so sad, you get disconnected, you become dysfunctional, uh, and you live your life with no joy, with no fulfillment, with, without any ability to be able to experience achieving things in your life that God would, was, is able to do in your life. So this matter of divine magnification, marvelous, Listen, don't look at yourselves and say, I am worthless. Don't look at yourself. Teens, oftentimes, they get into this slump where they just, well, I'm just nobody. Well, I just can't do anything. You know, I'm just, my life isn't worth living. Whoa, your life is marvelous. Why, why do you allow the world and why do you allow the devil to rob you of the joy of the miraculous aspect that God has created you in his image? It's marvelous in our sight. So divine magnification and then a divine revelation because he says in verse 14, that my soul knoweth right well. And we need to get a sense of self-worth based on the reality of the value of our God. Because our life is worth nothing in the world apart from God. It is empty. It has, has no uh, direction and purpose. But our faith in Christ, no, getting the revelation of God in our heart, it makes us aware of who God is and who we are in Christ Jesus. So divine uh, revelation. Psalm 8 and verse 3 says, When I consider the, thy heavens... The work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And David is crying out and literally identifying, look at the vastness of the universe. You look at the, the galaxies. You look at the Milky Way. You look at the sun. You look at the stars. You look at all that you can see. And, and, it, and it's, it's marvelously expanded in front of your eyes it's so vast it's so huge you can't even comprehend it or be able to observe all of it and try to bring it in but yet in the vastness of all that God cares about you people lose their sense of worth because they think their life is not valuable because they are not considering all that God has created and the attention that he has given specifically in giving you life. And I'll tell you, in the world that we live in, thank God uh, that you weren't aborted, you're alive. 
Now, I believe babies that are aborted, and I say this with caution, but I believe that they go to heaven. I really do. But that is not justification for you to get rid of your baby. You are, they are, every baby is conceived as precious in the eyes of God. They are marvelous, and they are magnificent, and they are wonderful, and you have that type of relationship with a living God. So I see design and plan. In verse 15 through 17, I see delight and purpose. Delight in purpose. Notice in verse 15, presence. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Knowing this, the delight and the purpose of God is based on the fact of the presence of God. God is with that child when it is conceived. God is with us through our life. And even the presence of the Lord is identified here when this child was conceived and was unknown by others. Because it says, when I was made in secret. And so the amazing thing is that others may not be aware of who you are in that womb when you're firstly conceived, but God is with you at that point. And God, listen, the amazing thing is that God sent his son in this world to die on the cross so that when we uh, are convicted about our sin, we're born in sin away from God. We know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us and we receive Christ as our Savior. Then we are never, never separated from Christ for all eternity. And it's an amazing event that takes place because you can't see what God did in my heart. Just like you couldn't see when I was originally, when I was conceived in the womb. No one knew about that at the moment of conception. But I'm going to tell you that at the moment of being born again, no one could see what God did in my heart either. And in that secret place, there is the presence of God Almighty. And Jesus said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And I believe he's with those precious children and I believe that uh, he'll save them as they come out of the womb. And I believe with all my heart that if we point them towards Christ, uh, they can get born again and, and be uh, gloriously delivered. So I see unknown by others, this presence of God. But unique in fashion, it says here, and curiously wrought in the lower parts of the earth. Uh, unique. Uh, in its fashion. In other words, every individual is different. Every person is different. That does me doesn't mean that you're less. It just means you're different. And uh, I'm glad. I'm glad that uh, we're all different. It'd be pretty boring if we were all the same. Amen. Uh, they say opposites attract. And uh, my wife and I. Now, we're pretty opposite. You know, I grew up on a farm. She grew up in the city. You know, I drove uh, tra uh, tractors and all that. Um, she didn't drive anything until she got her license and drove her car. Amen. Uh, you know, so, I mean, we're just completely different. Um, her family was three boys and one girl. My family was three boys. Uh, three boy no, her family, what was that? Yeah, we were the same. How about that? Man, that's a revelation. I just learned something today. Oh, I know what I was going to say. 
She had three brothers and one girl in that family. As she was the baby, I had three uh, brothers, uh, counting myself and my sister in our family, but I was the oldest. So I was the firstborn, she was the lastborn, amen. Everything's different about us. It's pretty exciting, you know. You get married and you start finding out who each other is. You got your whole lifetime to explore and figure each other out. I mean, we're, we're different in the world that we live in. We're different. We're unique. And I don't know why we've got this mentality that people have got to be like a cookie cutter, crunch, 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 and everybody looks the same, talks the same, acts the same. It's all right to have somebody grumpy once in a while. Amen. It gives me something to preach on. <laughs> Unique in our fashion. God has designed you that way. Job 10 and 11 says, Thou hast clothed me with skin and flesh and hast fenced me with bones and sinews. I'm glad that God can put us together, amen? And when he puts us together, we're all right when we come out on the other side. And so the presence of God, the position of God in verse 16. Notice the foreknowledge of God. Thine eyes did see my substance yet being unperfect. And so the foreknowledge of God, for whom the Lord did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. You may have been conceived and no one was aware of the fact that you're at the time that you were conceived in your mother's womb. But I'm going to tell you one thing right now. God already knew what you're going to be, where you're going to be, what you're going to do, what your talents are, what your skills are. God already in his foreknowledge knew that. Spiritually planned, notice it says, and in thy book all my members were written. If God has so outlined his delight and his purpose on who you're to be in his book, then certainly we can turn to his book, the word of God, to find out how I'm supposed to live. You can find out how you're supposed to live. We live in accordance with the plan of God, the scriptural plan of God. Then timing established. Notice it says, which in continuance was fashioned when as yet there was none of them. In other words, a time established there, you know, it takes nine months for a baby to be born. Why is that? Because God had declared and designed a time for all this to take place in the growing process of that life. And listen, if that be the case, and it is, then there's no justification at any point of that growing process, that time that is established, that God has established a time frame for that unique fashion to be put in place, and he knows everything that's going on. Man does not have the right to step in and interrupt it. And so there is a time established. Presence of God, the position of God, there's the potential. Notice in verse 17. How precious are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Potential. Just simply this. I put down here this. God's interest. <laughs> Why? His thoughts. God's interested in you. Uh, God's interest. God doesn't just. Oftentimes people say, well, you know, the world is like God created it and it's like a big clock. He just wound it up and just let everything run. That is a lie out of the pits of hell. 
Well, you know, man, he just conceives it biologically. The baby is born. How they live? Just, no, no, that's a lie out of the pits of hell. God's interested specifically in every child that's conceived. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, "For I know the thoughts that I think towards you." I just that thought process. The thoughts of God towards us, just it grabbed my heart this morning. I was, this morning I was reading over the message and I started putting other stuff in there and I just would, I, I just, the, the interest of God, that his thoughts are towards us. That God's thinking about me this morning. God's thinking about you this morning. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil. To give you an expected end. Why? Because God delights in fulfilling his purpose in our life. And so that gives us value and worth. And so I see God's interest in verse 17. I see God's addition. Kids wonder why I have to take math in school. That's why, because God's a mathematician. Amen. Says, oh God, how great is the sum of them. In other words, God's thoughts towards us just keep adding up and adding up and adding up and adding up. And the amazing thing is, is he doesn't need a calculator. <laughs> he just adds up his thoughts towards us. God's interest towards us, God's addition. So we have our uh, delight and purpose. Then the last thought is in verse 18 and 19 is direction and punishment. Ooh. Notice in verse 18, secure and blessed. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. What's he talking about? The thoughts of God towards them, the great sum of them, is more in number than the sand. When I wake, I am still with thee. Notice, first of all, the secure, being secure and blessed is that there's a multitude of promises that are made. Every thought that God has towards us is for good. Every thought that God has directed towards us adds up. And the number of them is beyond the number that is in the sand. And so think of the promises that God has for you. Think of the promises that God has for that. Think, just think of this. That the moment, the moment that that child is conceived in the womb, God's promises are multiplying. God's promises are adding up. God's plans are being laid out for that child to be born and fulfill those things. Then I see the continual presence because it says here, when I wake, I am still with thee and knowing that God never abandons us. So secure and blessed. And then I see the last thing in verse 19 is solemn and bold. Notice in verse 19, the wrath of God. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked. We don't like talking about those things in 2021. We want to talk about the wrath of God. But the reality is, I, I'll tell you right now, I would not want to be an abortion doctor and have to stand before God. Why? Because it tells us surely Surely, in other words, there's not a chance that he won't. Surely, thou wilt slay the wicked. 
And then he responds, oh God, uh, he says, depart from me, therefore ye bloody men. So we see the wrath of God, but we see the worst of men. You know, in Proverbs chapter 6, says these things that the Lord hate, uh, these uh, six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination. But in chapter 6 and verse 17, as it's going through the list of things that the Lord hates, it states, hands that shed innocent blood. And America has bloody hands. America has bloody hands. And I just, I, I just think of the way elections are going. I think of what's going on in our country, the division that's going on in our country. I just, I really believe it is nothing more than the outpouring of the wrath of God on the worst of men. You say, well, I, I, don't, I don't do that. I'm not a part of that. You know, well, you're here. The amazing thing is that God's judgment falls on the just and the unjust. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. And God is looking at us, and I think he's looking at us and saying, you have bloody hands, 61 million plus of lives that I so planned and designed. Uh, just, just think of what our economy would be if we had those 61 million people working and fulfilling, of course, the way that we're working right now with everybody shutting all the economy down, I don't know, it would be a challenge. But precious. Life is precious. Your life is precious. Uh, don't complain about the life that you have. Thank God for the life that you have. Uh, live your life for the fullness of God. And listen, realize this. Don't, don't get, get caught up in the political rhetoric when it comes to this matter of abortion. Life is life. You say it can't be that simple. It is that simple. Life is life. You may have complications and difficulties that you've created for yourself that you've got to work through, but that baby is still a life. And I just, I just really believe with all my heart, I really do, uh, that we are going to give an account before God for the lives that have been destroyed. If we really believe that life is that precious in reference to COVID and all these other things that are going on, then my simple question is, why isn't the life of a baby precious? And so precious reality of life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for life. I'm thankful, Lord, that you came in this world to give us life and give us life more abundantly. I'm thankful that we as a nation, our, our founding documents state that we are for uh, our life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I pray, God, that we would carry that over into the womb. We would carry that into part of our society uh, that has completely disregarded the value of life. And Lord, that we might look at these precious lives as what they really are. They're human beings. They're not a blob, not just a fetus, They're just not something that you can discard of. Uh, they are a human life that has been created in the image of God. And so, Lord, give us a heart 
that really uh, strives to uh, instruct others and help others understand the preciousness of life. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone watching live stream or anyone here in the building that's never been saved, I pray they might realize life that they can have through faith in Jesus Christ. And I pray they would come and give us the opportunity to show them how to believe on Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's